It is. Thank you. Yeah, Dave, for your birthday, they got you my name change on a platter. Ah! Hey, uh, (sighs) by the way, you have an open beer on the other side of that thing. We have our opener. So what's our plan with this? I don't know. It's like Texas. Did anyone get Dave a mop for his birthday? And me new so, pants? Oh, this will be comfortable. If you're listening... Take them off. All right, just this once. Just for your B-Day, big guy. Coming off. If you're listening, uh, I spilled Gareth's beer. That, that my buddy Robert bought me. I guess I'll just drink one of the giant ones. And it spilled on my pants. Um, hi, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, we appreciate it. We were in New Jersey last night, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... You sound like Dave. So... Um, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, Nazi sympathizers in... Um, yeah. If you get yeah, a chance had, to go uh, to my, mine or Gareth's Instagram, you'll see me uh, screaming at him in a lift. Mm-hmm. 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 You don't know what he was screaming yet, guys. He was like, go further! <laughs> yes, and, motherfucker! The Lyft driver wanted the drive to be over so much that uh, he took a corner. He was like... He, he like just, cannonball sk- ran us there. He was like, <laughs> let's go. He didn't even stop. He just, we made us roll out. And then tonight, on our way here, Dave forgot, Dave didn't get the right story, so we went back to the hotel, oh. and the Lyft driver was already kind of, you know, he was bubbling. And, uh, and then, uh, and then we're, I'm like waiting in the car with him for a while, and he's just genuinely pissed. And then Dave comes out, gets in, and then we start moving, and then a truck crashes into him. And, uh, and we were like, okay, so we'll get there, and we'll do sound check, and okay. So that's New Jersey's version of a lift is a, a Nazi sympathizer. In New York, so you just get hit. Yep. <laughs> New York, New York. <laughs> but he if got only out. we could combine those scenarios and the Nazi got hit. He got, he got out, right? Yeah. Um, he got out and he looked at the back of the car because the guy hit us from behind. And I, go out, I get out to look and I'm like, I look at him and I go, yeah, no, that's fucked up. Uh, and then he just goes he just ah, fuck don't worry about it and just gets back to the lift and I was like and then we go we're like what was he doing was he distracted he's like yeah we're like texting and driving he goes eating a sandwich (laughs) and we're like what oh well you know we've all been there right my man a lot of stupid hats Uh, thank you. Yes, it is my birthday. I am. We like to 28. say Gary birthday. I'm 28. Yeah, 28. And loving old. it. And loving it. 28 uh, years old. Do we have to say anything? Uh, do we have to say anything? Oh, we yes, do. we thank do. You, what do we have to say? Thank you for reminding us. Uh, we have to sing happy birthday? That's going to take. Oh, my God. The whole thing? All right. To you. All right. Happy birthday, dear Dave. Happy birthday, 
skip around the room, skip around the room, skip. Are we not doing the skip around the room? We're not going to go skip around the room? Nobody is doing skip around the room? You guys don't know skip around the room? I didn't appreciate, I didn't, it makes me skip around the room. I didn't appreciate that at all. Don't, don't do that again. Um, we, no. No, we did this. No, 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 sweet bastard, sweet bastard. When I was in, uh, I was doing a festival, and we went out to eat at a Benihana-type place uh, in Seattle. Uh, and uh, why did people? And it was just like cheer? me. It was like David Cross and Brian Posehn and Patton and a bunch of fucking idiots. There were ten of us, and we kept pretending like it was someone's birthday, and we kept going, "Ha!" And then the guy would start singing, and then we'd all stop. <laughs> And we, and we did it maybe 20 times until he was like, stop it, stop it. Is it someone's birthday or not? I've got shrimp to flip into my pocket. <laughs> Lord, uh... I'm making an onion castle over here. Let a man work. Uh, we will be in uh, North Carolina on September 14, 15, and 16 uh, in uh, Charlotte, uh, Asheville, and Durham. You can get tickets at uh, dollarpodcast.com in the tour area. And then we'll also be in uh, a place called Australia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. October, we'll be in Perth and Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and Guys, this is Auckland. Pick it up, Auckland. You're the new Adelaide. <laughs> Or should I say the new New Jersey? Because <laughs> uh, Jersey came in way below Adelaide, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's 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 focus on the positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, get you can get also Dollop Podcast uh, We also have a book out. I hope everybody here, everybody here has bought it or go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> Sold more copies than Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, don't be one of these people who's I, missing. I don't know if you've heard of this book, but more copies than uh, it's called the Holy Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And its the, sequel, Art of the Deal. Mm, the m- Uh, by the way, if you're in that hurricane, uh, good luck. <laughs> That's he's, the president's uh, quote. Uh, Just look, America. It's about time we had a president without a soul. All right, all right, all right, Dave. Ch- oh, nope. I'm sorry. Do you like wow. Trump? I apologize. If you like Trump, Hold I apologize. I know you love. Go. There's some Trump lovers in here. That's... If you want to see no, no, what no. Trump lovers think of the podcast, no. go to the iTunes review page. All right, they're not happy about it. All right. All right. July 5th! Wait, you gotta do the beginning oh, fuck. thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> fuck me. You're spilling beers? Thank you. Well, the beer just goes right into the floor after a while. <laughs> I think that's uh, You're listening to the Dollop Podcast. <laughs> this is a... Uh, bi-weekly American history podcast. Once a week, I read a story (laughs) from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic will be about. No idea. July 5th, 1810. 
Sure. I mean, you've got to know this one right off the bat. Pardon? Phineas Taylor Barnum was born in Bethel, Connecticut. Just oh, tell no. me. Oh, Do no. you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is... I had an advent calendar made for this one. <laughs> oh, we might need a bucket. I, uh... Am I going to be okay? Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> Can I get His a... His ch- father, a Philo... Huh? Go ahead. His father, Philo. Philo? Philo. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh? From American Was Tail. a farmer, tailor, tavern keeper, uh, and grocer. Okay, great. So lots of stuff. Isn't uh, that everything that was available as a much. job? <laughs> Back then, it, all, it was all of them. Except for preacher. Not blacksmith the or whole... preacher, but everything nope. else. Everything was nailed down. Huh. I do everything but make swords and preach, so. Uh, he had ten kids with two different wives. Okay, five a pop. I assume, sure. the, I assume the first one, uh, sure. that's what happened back then. Right. Um, they just, they go. Right. Uh, Phineas was the sixth kid uh, from the, uh, uh, and the first with the second wife. So he's number one with the number two. Nope. <laughs> well, let's I'm going to stop talking now. The seven-year-old in me is like, Neh. <laughs> And that's most of me, FYI. Yeah. Uh, Bethel, Connecticut was a very conservative place dominated by the church. Okay. Phineas's grandfather was known as the town practical joker. Okay. All right. I like where we're headed. Little, little prank action. Sure. It was said his grandfather went farther, uh, would take longer, and work harder to carry out a practical joke, which young Phineas loved. Okay. Sure. Phineas was a good student who excelled in math but hated physical labor. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Good work ethic. He, he worked for his father on the farm and then in the family's general store. In the genital store? Gen- general store. Gotcha. Uh, general stores were not popular until the 1950s. <laughs> Sorry, did you say general or genital? Genital. Gen- genital. Okay, right, until the 50s. Gotcha. Uh, I'll take a... Take a, a black cock, <laughs> and uh, I guess one of the uh, what do you are those? What do you call it? Pussy. We need to see some ID. You need to be nine <laughs> years old to buy stuff like that, sir. Okay. Is that one? Has that one been uh, fingered? Boy, those Irish cocks are huge. Are they all that yeah, big? All right, all right, sir, ID, and then you'll show. The Irish ones are always big, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. Right, oh, yeah. Yeah, no they're idea. big. But weird. <laughs> but real weird. So. So his father died in 1825, and okay. Barnum took what money he had and opened up a small store just outside of the town of Bethel. Right? Okay. So he opens up a... He sold, sold cakes, cookies, raisins, and beer. Sure. Right. Yeah. The four. Yeah, the musts. Yeah. 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 The four. They called it the four back sure, then. The four. Yeah. It's like the Avengers. The big ones. The ones you need. Uh, this is like the old timey version of a 7-Eleven. Right. Yeah. And then he started taking trips to New York to pick up more stuff to sell. Pocket knives, combs, oysters. Sure. Et cetera. Sure. Again, hitting the top markets. You know, he, found, he knows what people want. You know? Yeah. My hair's a mess. I need seafood. What's that, sir? Don't worry. 
Would you like some raisins with your oyster? <laughs> Do I look like a damn fool? Of course I want raisins. And a cake. Why am I dying? Do you know? Um, and then he started uh, a lottery. Okay, so... Right, okay, so this guy, he's zigging and zagging, which I like. I like a zigzagger, I really do. Okay. He, uh, yeah, he decided uh, back then you'd just start a lottery if you wanted to. Sure. And, then... and how, okay. So he sells How many lots. raisins did you win? Lots. So he's... But I get five raisins a year for the next 50 years, which is, you know, I could have taken 500 raisins, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> My family will be taking them. Friends come out of nowhere, you know, all of a sudden, hey, I heard you won the raisin thing. Like, come on. Where were you five years ago when I didn't have raisins? I mean, come on. <laughs> so the, uh, the religious and political town leaders were not down with his lottery, and they started a campaign. <laughs> what happened? I almost, I almost spit beer. Sorry, <laughs> they weren't down with his lottery. I see, I understand why. They're like, what are you doing? You still all wet from that beer that I Oh, soaking, yep. This leg is ruined. That's why I always travel with two pairs. The one underneath and the ones I wear. <laughs> uh, so they're trying to make lotteries illegal in Connecticut. And so now... Now, Phineas is pissed. Okay. So he buys a press and starts his own newspaper. Oh, my God. <sighs> oh, boy. Which is mostly about the lottery. Okay. All right. Sure. And sure. attacking people in the town who are against, against the lottery. It. I, would, I was going to guess against it. Now, he's 19 years old. Okay. Sure. All right. Well. The paper was called The Herald of Freedom. <laughs> Man, it's uh, that is amazing. Yeah. Like you he can hear he that today. I mean, we're yeah. gonna have that paper in nine years. Oh, how is that not Ron yeah. Paul's paper? Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So he was accused of libel three times. Okay. Thrown in jail twice, once for sixty days. What did the paper have to say about that? Sure. <laughs> Genius jailed for bullshit. I mean. What they're doing to this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> He's a good guy. He's just got a lot of raisins. I mean, what the fuck? So when he got out of when he got out of the jail, all, all the supporters there, to, the lottery people were, yay! Yes. Back. They cheer him on. Uh, so the re religious leaders got their way, and lotteries were made illegal in Connecticut. Okay. So now, so Phineas, he creates a religion. Yeah. So With Phineas, a lot of Tarians. A lot of what? Lot of Tarians. Pro latre. <laughs> so Phineas takes his wife, and now he just has a young daughter, and they move to Manhattan, and he opened up a grocery store okay. at 156 South Street. Sure. His bills are being paid. You know, he's getting by, but running a grocery store is a little boring, and he wants to be super, super rich. Okay. <laughs> now, he also, at this time... Side business, he's working in show business in what that time was called, quote, low amusement. <laughs> the blue collar comedy tour? 
who shots fired? <laughs> well, Dave, they say there's no business like side business, so. I really like that tour. <laughs> so he would, he would book shows uh, around the area. He, he ran minstrel shows. Uh, Someone sure. says, I'm sorry, as if that's a weird thing at this time. Uh, it's it's uh, not a bad reaction to just say, I'm sorry, though. I, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry. I apologize. So, I apologize. And I'm sorry for my sorry. I'm just, what am I, but I'm sorry. Uh, he also would write ads for the Bowery Amphitheater, which was in the Five Points neighborhood. Okay. Uh, and then he'd take that time to talent scout for new acts. Sure. So in 1835... A friend told Phineas he just sold his uh, share in a uh, uh, person. What? <laughs> so the guy comes in and he goes, hey, I, 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 had, uh, I had stock in a person okay. and I, uh, I sold it. Okay, okay. I like to play markets, so... He, he had owned part of uh, Joyce Heff, who was uh, 161 years old, what the fuck? All right, now let's, let's, all, let's all stop for a second. Right, right. That's the correct. How old is she? 161. She was George Washington's uh, slave childhood nurse. So now she's, she's older. What? Are we, history, is it now uh, sci-fi that we do? Oh, it's, a history, it's a history podcast. She was a night walker. <laughs> so she's now on display at Philadelphia's Masonic Hall, and she's okay. drawing okay. huge crowds of people coming in to pay to see the 160-year-old woman. Okay. And well, the hopefully guy they running... weren't expecting a back and forth. <laughs> oh, she's dead? No, she's... Oh. She's what? Oh, she is full of energy. What? What do you the mean? The guy running the show was getting tired of show business and wanted to sell the rights to display uh, Joyce. So, Dave. Okay. Just now, Cliff, well, no, wait, real quick. Okay. Cliff, note me back. Okay. So, her name again? Joyce Heth. 161. 161. In a little show. Uh-huh. Oh, and a man says show. he owns show. her. Well, I, no, they do own her. I mean, they're, they're, they pay for to display her. Um, and okay. Then, and then she does, she, I guess she talks to... So... <laughs> so... Someone's going to get on the Today Show. So Phineas hears this story, and he thinks it's a little far-fetched. What part? <laughs> but then his friend takes out a clipping from a Philadelphia newspaper with his article all about Heth, and it described her as, quote, one of the greatest natural curiosities ever witnessed. So Phineas Barnum is like, oh, I gotta, I gotta check this out. So he goes, he goes to Philadelphia. So he goes into the Masonic Hall, and she's laying on a couch. Hey! And Help! <laughs> food? Not solid food. <laughs> Don't leave me now. He... Hey! Hello! Pick me up! No, don't. Hello! No! Your phone almost Sorry. fell in your beer. Okay. It's already cracked. It's right near a puddle. It's already cracked. It's already cracked. It's right near a puddle. It's already cracked. Nobody okay. cares. All right. Nobody called me today anyway. Okay. 
So he said that Joyce Hath looked like, quote, a living mummy. Uh, she sh- a grand mummy, yeah. As she should. 161? She, w- she was very smart, very wrinkled, had no teeth, and, and was blind. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Her left arm and both legs were paralyzed. Oh my God. She's pretty hot. And... <laughs> She weighed around 50 pounds and had a... Oh, my God. What is... Go- what? A little crazy patch of white hair on the top of her head. And she would tell stories about, quote, dear little George. Uh, and then she would sing Baptist hymns. <laughs> so this is a show. This is a, this is a good show. I mean... Like, if you, if you, you told me that, I'd be like, how, how much? <laughs> uh, you're throwing a lot at us, Dave. Uh, huh? Okay. All right, so she... <laughs> I drew a picture, a beautiful picture. How is picture. she 50 pounds? Well, at that, how are you going to eat? If you have nothing moves and then you can't see, it's all <laughs> bad. I mean, eventually, you'll, eventually you come across a brownie on accident, but for the most part... Well, she's not, not a Roomba. You're not fine. <laughs> talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, may- maybe this is the story of the first Roomba. <laughs> you don't know. Oh, my God. Singing hymns? Oh, she's singing again. Oh, here we go. Yeah, you know that Jesus coming. You know Jesus. Yeah. You're like, oh, God. Let her go. Let her. She'll tuck herself out. She's 161. So Phineas asked the promoter about buying the rights to exhibit Joyce, provided that the promoter could prove she was as advertised. How are you? Okay. So, okay. What's your social? So the promoter shows Phineas a bill of sale dated February 7th, 1727. And it stated on it that Augustine Washington, George Washington's father, agreed to sell Joyce to a neighbor. Quote, one Negro woman named Joyce Heth, age 54 years, for 33 pounds. Oh so that's God. it. It's fucking proof. Uh, it's on. Uh, because, okay, there's a lot happening here. Uh. Phineas said, quote, the evidence seems authentic. <laughs> They've got paper. So no more questions from me. Uh, that's written down. It clearly and was. it looks kind of old. <laughs> really, the whole, it's brown. I believe it. It's not from recently. No. No, she's immortal. (laughs) It clearly wasn't, but the promoter had been exhibiting the bill of sale for months, and Phineas recognized that the paperwork was good enough to trick the public into paying to see Joyce Heff. Okay. So he was like, I'm not an idiot, but everyone else is. Let's do this. (laughs) The promoter wanted $3,000, but Phineas got him down to $1,000. Okay. Someone's very nice. 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 Shark tagged him. Nice. What a great bargain for yeah. a human. Yeah. What are his margins? Yeah. Uh, it isn't clear if he was actually buying a slave or if he was buying the right to exhibit her. No one really knows. Uh, but of course, he put we down, don't know that. He put down 500 on the spot and then borrowed uh, the rest using his grocery store's collateral, general store. Okay. So then he brought Heth to New York, and he 
So he's bet the whole family business on this, right? And now he has to turn this, this sweet deal into money. So he goes big. You know, this would be an int- like a great story if a, a human wasn't the property. It'd be like, oh, this kid's got a dream. But instead you're like, horrifying. No. Good. Where I need it. I mean, uh, we could go on. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's not like people get treated great. No. Today. No. But. She was, I mean, if you're an old woman with no moving parts and you can't see, you're probably like, where are we going? Uh, so, you're not. I mean, you're basically. Wrong. You're, you're basically, just not right. Well, no, no, but I know it's wrong. But it's also like, yeah. I mean, in that time, what's she gonna do? Like, you know what? I'll go on my own. Yeah. Like then, then they just then they just put her by the side of the road, and she's like a pear. Like Still, it, yeah, but like it's a fucked up time. So if you, if someone's like, hey, I want to I want to put you out on a show, you're like, all right, I don't want to lay on the road. That's, that's, they welcome to the 1820s. Not great. A lot of people are pears. Just walking around at paired people. Uh, sucks about Bruce. He's a pear now. Just quit. Said he was done standing. So no. <laughs> so no one really knows how she felt, but she went along with everything. That's all we know. Uh, so Barnum uh, contracted to exhibit uh, Joyce on Broadway at Niblo's Garden, which uh, is the city's most fancy entertainment place. Okay, sure. He brought. Do they talk about this time a lot? Which what? Huh? Hmm? Go ahead. Uh, he got her a new dress and hired an artist to draw her on a poster, which he hung over all over town. And as he put up the posters, he would yell about, quote, the most astonishing and interesting curiosity in the world and nurse to George General Washington and the first person to put clothes on the unconscious infant who was destined to lead our heroic forefathers to glory, to victory, to freedom. Wait, wait, wait. The last one again? He went, he went big. Uh, the first person to put clothes on the unconscious infant who was destined to lead our heroic fathers to glory, victory, freedom. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he didn't consult anyone. He was like, I think you need three. Well, no, he... You he, can't lose a word from the third one. The last one he did on purpose because he thought it would get women to buy tickets. Because women would be like, what a baby. And then, and then if women, and you guys are women, you know, if you hear, that's how we got half of the women here tonight. We were like, there's going to be a baby. We did say that the guest, if you, we did say the guest was going to be a baby. If you hear there's going to be a baby, you're like, what's, where, where, where? The baby? I will pay. Where? What are we doing? So he was worried about um, the newspapers, the New York newspapers, because uh, if they exposed her as a fraud, then he'd be fucked, right? Right. Time to start another paper. So... <laughs> So he figured that newspapermen, they just love money, and that it would overrun their belief in the truth. So he went to the newspapers and offered to buy ads in exchange for them writing puff pieces. Okay. And most went for it. Sure. 
And then he invited them to a pre-opening meeting with Joyce. Oh, my God. And she charmed the shit out of all oh the reporters I don't even with like, her stories even... of George, well, the ones that Barnum had taught her. Wait a minute. One was already uh, a known legend about a young George in a cherry tree. Wait a minute. Which she changed to a peach tree, and they were all like, oh, oh, well, that's... Oh, see, now, now Joyce, we'd always heard it was cherries. It wasn't. Oh, oh it, it was actually peaches? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is a goddamn honor. She's unbelievable. <laughs> Look at her. The whole time we've been saying this cherry thing. Have you seen gremlins? <laughs> I just keep thinking of the gremlin because of the white... The white hair on top. Got the gremlin I top. just keep thinking of the... So... The reporters are loving it. New York Sun, quote, a greater object of marvel and curiosity has never presented itself. There's a problem in there. The, the object. Cour- the courier and advertising. The old creature is said to be 161 years old, and we see no reason to doubt it. How the fuck? What? I mean, okay. We know that they're fucking stupid, okay? We know back then that they're, you know, they don't, like, they're like, you've got devils in your teeth. And we understand. That's how they function. Still, even then, everyone, the how old is the oldest person they've ever fucking known? They're like, well, you know, Jeff made it to 51. Holy shit. 51? What the fuck's his secret? 161? They're like, well, we got a meter. Holy shit, it was a peach tree. Woo! The certificate's brown. This is real. (laughs) As you were. This is, after all these years, this is the thing you flip out about. It's insane. I mean, I just, this, I get, this, like, it would be now if someone was like, this guy's 200. We'd all be like, what? No, he's not. Wait a minute. You're saying that you're saying that Barack Obama wasn't born in this country? Well, this is unbelievable. <laughs> she's she's the real deal. She's the real deal. Wow, it is an honor to meet someone who's 200. <laughs> so, people flock to the show. They're lining up outside by the score all ready to pay a quarter to see an old, blind, paralyzed woman. <laughs> Customers would stroll in and walk past her, and someone asked questions. Many had actually never been this close to a black person. So see, some, I, I mean, that... What? It's just unbelievable. Like, there's probably... There's probably... I mean, I just can't imagine being in that situation where you are... One of the features is you're like, and black. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> wow. How, how, yeah, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Some would feel times. her hair or rub her skin. Ooh. It's like if you, if, uh, if you, like a snake, you're like, look at that. Or, uh, or like a, like a petting suit, like a little. Like, there's a little, like, animal, and you're like, except this is a uh, human. (sighs) Some wanted to shake the hand that washed uh, young George Washington. Others said prayers, and some took her pulse. (laughs) What? 
Is she, what is what is she doing? She's just like, oh, whatever, whatever. I think, I think what she's whatever. doing is she's doing what every black person did at this time and just sat there going, fuck, white people are nuts. <laughs> I mean, they're out of their fucking minds. She, I'm clearly not 100... Okay, never mind. Now, you white people are great. Keep thinking I'm some kind of magic frog or whatever. So like I said, no one knows how she felt about it, uh, but she would smile and perform and appeared to enjoy herself. She had a very good wit. When someone would ask what she planned to do with her earnings, she would reply, buy a wedding dress. <laughs> so she's fucking killing it. She's oh, my God. It. That will be on TV oh in my 10 God. years. I mean, how? why would he not? I would put her in a wedding dress. As soon as she said that, the next show, I'd be like, oh, she's getting married. <laughs> He's 140. What do they talk about? Uh, Phineas, or as he was now known, P.T. Uh, there it name. is. I've been waiting for it. He gave her tons of whiskey and later said she... Dave, when does this part end? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, maybe that's why she's always so happy. She's just fucking shit-faced. <laughs> You can't get her too drunk or she's just going to be like, I'm 80. <laughs> He's lying. Uh, okay, show's over. I can see, too. George Washington, never been near You want to see me run? Yeah. Look at this. Let's do some burpees. Come on. Ha! Ha! <laughs> um... So, she was originally booked for a three-day run, but it ended up being extended to two weeks. Oh, what an honor. So, she's on display eight hours a day Jesus. for six days a week. Oh, my God. PT made $1,500 a week, which today would be about $40,000 oh. a week. <laughs> a prominent surgeon uh -oh. asked if he... <laughs> That ain't a good term. <laughs> Asked if he could perform an autopsy on her when she died. Oh, thank God you, I let you finish. We are in the zone where autopsies can be performed on the living right now for me. <laughs> not expect, can I cut her open now and see what she died of? For sure, get in there. One quarter though, my man, I'm not stupid. But the reason he wanted to do the autopsy was to discover the secret of her longevity. Sure. So he's not a good doctor. She's full of bullshit. She's just full of bullshit. How does she do it? But Pete T. Barnum wasn't thinking about her death. He was thinking about making more money, taking her on the road. Sure. He figured if he could scam people in New York, he could scam people all over New England. If he can make it there. <laughs> but what he wasn't counting on was abolitionists. Right. Oh, there they right. are. Right. Right. So in 1835, the anti-slavery movement was small, weak, very much so in New York, because everyone in New York had ties to the slave and cotton industry, so they didn't give a shit, because it turns out New York just runs on a bunch of fucking money, and they don't care about you. All right. Oh, Dave, 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 so Dave, 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 David, David. <laughs> what happened? All what happened? Right, Did I have a... Did I have okay, a fit? Okay. I, I have a fit, There we right? go. We're not in lift. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in New England, abolitionism is totally taken off. There are anti-abolitionist papers and the New England Anti-Slavery Society. So the first stop on the Joyce Heth 106-year-old woman tour 
was Providence, Rhode Island. Sure. And there, when they got there, the abolitionist preachers told all their congregates it was immoral to pay money to stare at a slave. Okay, so he's like, boy, they didn't tell me about this market. Yeah. Yeah, no, seriously. Applaud, because it's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, I've been here. A hero? No, a new villain. (laughs) (laughs) P.T. said, quote, My attendance fell off. The priest-ridden people came no more. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a good term, though. Once again, preachers are stopping P.T. from making money. And he knew he couldn't outfight the clergy, so he told the Providence Journal that he was an abolitionist. Oh, my God. And that Joyce Heth was a freed woman touring to raise money to buy her great-great-grandchildren out of bondage. Did, did anyone talk to her? <laughs> or they were like, oh, oh well, we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry. We didn't understand you had a deal. Well, our work here is done. I mean, we were, well, good to meet you. You are. It was obviously total bullshit, but it worked. Preachers suddenly urged their flocks to oh, see no. Heth. <laughs> no. The show was extended a week due to huge crowds. Oh, my God. Boston was next on the tour. P.T. wrote to ministers there and invited them to meet Heth. Several did, and she backed his story about buying her family out of slavery. Wow. Again, it worked. One minister even handed P.T. $10 to liberate her family. Quote, that night, a few friends and myself spent it on champagne and oysters. This greatest show on earth, everybody. Greatest show on earth. Talk about a guy who would set us off on Twitter. I mean, he would just be like, oh, yeah, champagne, oysters. He'd be like, you son of a bitch. Who eats oysters with champagne? Is that this a- is a guy who was fucking selling cake, raisins, and oysters. He's like, this actually works. I used to uh, think raisins paired. Then I had champagne. Two, I said that, and two people looked at each other and were like, I... I yeah. <laughs> I do that. I don't know. I don't eat oysters because they've no. They're fucking gross. Yeah, I'm with. But you gotta eat it really fast, or you'll choke. Oh, that's why I wouldn't eat. Well, something. and every time, every time someone's like telling you how to eat them, it's like, all right, put a bunch of shit on it and don't chew it at all. You're like, is this good? Yeah, you chew what it, you'll freak idea? out and start vomiting. Yeah, you know what? Oh, you chewed it. That's why you don't like them. No, no, no. The goal is to get it down your esophagus immediately. Quick. It's a kind of like a food game. It's like it's snot. Like, it's like a big thing of snot. Yeah, lose it in. It's the it only quick. food you lose. Quick. Lose it. Lose it down. Tabasco, salt, lemon. Don't taste it. <laughs> they're expensive. Yeah, they're not cheap. No, yeah. Fuck is their deal? You gotta dig to get in there too. You gotta yeah. crack it open on your own and yeah. dig it out of a shell. Oh, oh. Yeah. But then really quick. So you got oh, great. You gotta do what they're supposed to do in the kitchen. It tastes like shit and it's not cheap. And that's why we do it. <laughs> so In Boston, uh, he had Heth in a big concert hall, and then he started to expand his operation for the first time. In a smaller room, he had another show. There he had a chess-playing 
automaton that drew crowds. So it's a cabinet, top, okay, top with a wooden figure that is in a, a turban-wearing Turk, right? It's a turban-wearing Turk, wooden. Inside the box, there's tons of gears and levers, and then a volunteer would step forward to be like, I can play the automaton in chess. Bring on the wooden Turk. And then inside, PT placed a little tiny guy who was really good at chess. <laughs> and he would just beat people at chess. He'd be like, I can't beat the wooden Turk. So people back then are fucking idiots. That is... I, I'm overwhelmed. Like, the, how, is, how do you find that? Are you good at chess? No, I'm treated horribly. Goodbye. Uh, hey, tiny guy. Yeah, he's just like on the prowl, just like, can you play chess? Damn it, man, I'll find me. I mean, it's, a, it's something I have on my vision board. I mean, I'm hoping <laughs> that I find it. So Boston crowds start to die out after about three weeks, and then PT had an idea. Oh, God. He anonymous, anonymously wrote to Boston Papers attacking his own exhibit as a hoax. <laughs> This guy, Jesus God. Quote, Joyce Heth is not a human being. What purports to be a remarkably old woman is simply a curiously constructed automaton, <laughs> automaton <laughs> made up of whalebone India rubber and numberless springs. I mean, it's as believable as the other side. <laughs> She's full of springs, is she? So, now everybody that's gone to see her is like, what the well, fuck? I need another round. And they all come back and pay to see her again. I'm paying. Hey, you know why? I'm not an idiot. Yeah, I want back in. <laughs> to see, see if she's made out of whalebone India rubber and springs. <laughs> Hey, Joyce, are you whalebone and springs? Okay. Okay, well, her story checked out. So people, people had already seen her and thought she was real, came to have a second look to find out if they had been tricked. And then other people were like, I gotta see this robot lady. So then he takes it all over the Northeast and he does the exact same thing everywhere. Lowell, Hingham, Worcester, Springfield, Hartford. Then they started a second tour in 18, 1836 and all's going well until Joyce suddenly died. You guys, she's 161. What got her? She had a good Car life. hit her? Suicide? Drugs? <laughs> so, her springs broke and she passed away. We'll be burning the whalebone tomorrow. P.T. Relator write, quote, the old woman had kicked the bucket. I could humbug the world no longer. That's what it's called. We tricked the world back then, humbug. Wait, he couldn't what? Yeah, I could humbug the world no longer. Okay, okay. <laughs> he could humbug the world. Gotcha. But now that he knew there was no cash, uh, there was uh, so much cash in this show business thing, he started thinking up things over time. First, he considered keeping her death a secret, and taking her on a stand, sorry, taking, sorry, taking a stand into England. So he's, he's going to find another oh, old dude, lady. For a minute, the way you laid that out there, we were all like, 
wait, what? He's like, well, does she need to be alive is the question. Is I that mean, a must? I feel like Maybe I, there's something to these springs and whale bones. I feel like I came up with something here that could have made some money. So he was going to bring a stand into England where nobody would know it was her or not, right? But then he remembered the doctor who wanted to do the autopsy. So he booked a theater on Broadway. What? Oh, my God. (laughs) You guys all watch Quincy. It's the same thing. And he arranged for the surgeon to perform the autopsy live on stage. (laughs) To watch it, you had to pay 50 cents. Oh, my God. 1,500 people paid. Oh, my God. They watched her carried out, and she was placed on an examination table. Then the doctor came out, dressed up in his doctor outfit. I'm a doctor. Well, I mean, what is, like, is there any dialogue? Yes. Seems so awkward. He came out. Hello, he I'm a doctor. He made an announcement. He said who he was, and then he said he would be, he would be searching for signs of ossification, which uh, is the hardening of an internal organs that are observed in the extremely elderly. So he's looking for... Internal signs that she is super old. Right, okay. So he's like, Ben, did they have any he, idea what they were doing? Or he was just like, I just, I'm know. looking for a number on a piece of paper in here. <laughs> I believe I think, there should I believe, be one. I believe they did. I believe they did. Have, this was actually a thing. Okay. So, and for everybody, he slices her open and he's talking to everybody through it. Where are you from? He's. <laughs> and how long have you two been dating? I'm looking right at you, man. Who do you think I'm talking to? This guy's like, who's she talking to? I'm talking to you, man. Where are you from? How long have you been together? Get this kidney out. There we are. Oh, I used to be a grocer and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Two years. What's your secret? <laughs> All righty. I'm just going to have a little fiddle in here. <laughs> uh, so he saws through her chest. Oh, my God. And, and opens up her skull. And he takes out her liver and her lungs and her heart and her brain. So Joyce is just What's he all... leaving in? Well, it's all... she's all over the place now. Like, there's just sure. little parts of Joyce. Can I get another table? Then he does, his, does the whole thing, and then at the end, he concludes that there was only minor ossification, and he then announced, quote, Joyce Heth could not have been more than 75 or at the most 80 years of age. Scandal. Who saw this coming? Only one newspaper, The Sun, covered the event. Uh. (laughs) So the next day, a headline read, Dissection of Joyce Heth, Precious Humbug Exposed. Okay. The story reported, quote, It is probable that 10,000 have been made from this, the most precious humbug, uh, humbug of modern times. So now P.T. is exposed as a con artist. Well, he's been humbugging. He's so gone humbug fuck. He, he goes to the, the editor of the Herald, who hated the editor of the Sun, oh, and boy. told the editor of the Herald that the autopsy had been a sham. And he said, Joyce Heth is actually still alive. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Get me whalebone and springs. We'll show this guy who's full of shit. Mm-hmm. 
He told her the doctor had actually dissected a woman named Aunt Nellie who was unknown and had recently died in New York. So the Herald, the next day, publishes the full story. Front page, quote, Joyce Heth is not dead. (laughs) On Wednesday last, we learned from the best authority she was living at Hebron in Connecticut. The son had been fooled, the Herald said. The Herald stated they had this on knowledge on good authority. Well, part of the thing now is that you probably can't even prove that it was her. If you like, you can't go like, "Isn't that her?" You'd be like, "Uh, "Where's she? She? Sorry, we don't know." Oh, she's in part. Yeah, uh, (laughs) the jury, like her heart, is out. So, uh... so, come on. So now thousands of New Yorkers had paid to see Joyce Heth both alive and dead. And one paper said she was dead and 80 years old. Another said she's alive and 161 years old. The truth is a total fucking shambles. No one knows what is real. P.T. Barnum would later write, I had at last found my true vocation. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Man, I was expecting to, like, prep myself for elephant abuse. (laughs) Sweet God. So I'm pining for the circus. So there were, at the time, there's two big museums. And museums are not a big thing then. There's Peel's Museum in Philadelphia and the Scudder Museum in New York. And they'd exhibit sort of odd, interesting things that had been found, like actual things. Shells, animals, skeletons, clothing, stuff like that. Clothing? Yeah, Ooh. well, like, the, we, found this, top. we found this clothing on a guy that we killed and took from him. Oh, look at that. Uh, Those are great boots. Hey, look, a human. <laughs> so uh, the, the main Scudder guy died, and his family just wanted to get rid of the museum. They were like, I don't, we don't care. Okay. And PT tried to buy it, but then the Peel Museum comes swooping in, and it's a public-traded company, and they offered stock, and the Scudder Museum owners jumped. So PT was out. But then, luckily, there's a big stock market collapse and the Peel stock collapsed. It's almost worth nothing and then Peel buys basically both museums for almost nothing. So now he has a bunch of shit. So he opens his own museum at Broadway and Ann Street just across from City Hall on January 1st, 1842. It's called the Barnum American Museum and it contained all the good stuff from the other two museums plus new additions. Uh oh. Now freak shows have been around since the 60s. Well there we go. There it is. In the 19th century, freak shows really took off. Many of them uh, were people doing amazing things or being an oddity, like a sword swallower or a bearded woman. Chang and Aang were a good example of sure. freak show. Yeah. Sure. I still cannot get over that they had so many kids. <laughs> I will never be able to handle the fact that that much fucking was happening. Dude. I can't even fuck my wife when I'm holding Gareth's hand. Oh, well. (laughs) That wasn't my hand, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll get there. Like they said, we'll get there. And then we go through the counseling. You always say it's just time. You guys both say it's time. Don't be negative. So back then, freak shows were called 10-in-1 shows because you paid to usually see 10 freaks. So PT's plan is to combine the freak show and the museum. 
Good. Good merger. Uh, <laughs> the first big museum attraction was the Fiji Mermaid. Oh, God. Now, forever men on the seas have been reporting they'd seen mermaids. Because they were so bored. <laughs> Everything was eight months away. Yeah, it's just you're sitting there on a boat and a guy, there, a guy yeah. on the I boat. Look, I saw a fish with titties. Lady fish. Huh? Guys, we might be able to have sex with fish. <laughs> and then they go to land. They're like, oh, I almost married a mermaid. And then 10 years later, it's like, I had sex with one. Yeah. <laughs> we kept in touch, but, you know, families, you know. They don't. That's just that they don't have a uh, place to have sex. Believe me, I'm sure those men would have figured out something horrible. (laughs) I'm going to fuck the boat while I just touch her hair. Oh, God, sir. Larry, that's a salmon. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. My God, man, you put a wig on a salmon. (laughs) It's been eight months. When do we get to India? Hey, we're at land. Oh, God, you're telling me I did this right before we hit land. (laughs) Why didn't someone say it was going to be today? (sighs) I apologize if anybody brought a child. (laughs) Uh, So at this point, the mermaids are inspiring poetry, stories, art. Hans Christian Andersen had just published The Little Mermaid in 1836, which was a huge hit. So mummified... In that book, real quick, in the original, mm-hmm. it's, it's a pack of mermaids, and they all want her to kill the prince. Yeah, mermaids are fucked up. It's wha- a way better story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like a bunch of them, like, kill him! And she's like, I like him. They're like, stab him. She's like, Are Maybe you a mermaid or you're not a mermaid? Yeah. Disney's like, there's a singing crab, and they're dating. No. Well, mer- mer- Disney has a director's Murder card. maids. <laughs> so, now mummified merpeople had been in sideshows and in fishing villages in Japan for a very, very long time. Wait, mum, sorry, what? Mummified merpeople. Mummified merpeople? That's what I said. Okay, you sure? Yep, I said I used the correct term. Okay. Um... That hits a lot of demographics. The Fiji mermaid had been uh, bought by a Dutchman in Japan. It was said to be an orangutan sewed on to the top of a salmon. <laughs> Cheers. Do like you like another beer? Because I said... <laughs> orangutan sewed onto the top of a salmon. <laughs> How do you know what the top is at that point? An orangutan. Oh my god. Oh my god. The Fiji mermaid spent some time in I Europe. I mean, uh, wait. I mean, that. <laughs> it's a mermaid. What do you want? What do you mean you have questions? <laughs> it's a lady from the sea. Look at it. You see the fish part? All right. Let's make a deal. What? It's like one of those things where, like, in, we have an idea of something and we make it all pretty, and then, and then in other countries, like the Dutch version of uh, Santa oh, Claus, like, fuck, what? What's yeah. happening? Yeah. Like, it's like that. In, in Japan, like, we're like, mermaids are pretty, and Japan's like, now nah, you put a monkey on a fish. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
hottest Christmas item that year. <laughs> Move over, tickle me, Elmo. So, um, so the Fiji mermaid spent some time in Europe uh, touring, but was eventually believed to be a hoax. Uh, particularly in England, where they were like, fuck this shit, I don't buy it anymore. Yeah. And then it made its way to the United States of America. Sure. And into the hands of Moses Kimball, who ran the Boston Museum. Now, he was also friends with P.T., so he approached him about the exciting mermaid sure. and showing it in New York. And P.T. then leased the Fiji mermaid, and they came up with a background story that involved a doctor in London who had control of the Fiji mermaid and and then he tried to get it and the doctor was like I will not allow this beautiful specimen to be seen by public eyes oh god and then it was a whole like thing and this gave this gave the Fiji mermaid credibility in the public's eyes didn't take much did so it? the a this, doctor said no oh my so so this fake doctor and PT Barnum are having a public fight in newspapers over where the, again, it, he's just fighting with himself, where the mermaid should be shown. And they finally agreed to show it at the New York Concert Hall. And people just fucking pour in like crazy. Just and imagine there, when the media was easy to take advantage of and people didn't notice. <laughs> so weird. Fake, fake news is new. So... People were pouring in. And then there, on the stage, the fake doctor, who was actually just a buddy of Barnum's, who was a lawyer. I'm shocked he's even a lawyer. What's he doing? He's like, yeah, I hate law. I guess I'll be the fake doctor in the mermaid show. Yes, PT, stop. You pay me what, if you make money, you pay me, okay? So he would be there on stage, and he would explain. He would go through all the mermaid's history and what it was. And the mermaid was advertised in papers as this beautiful creature. Oh, my God. You know, they had drawings of half woman, half fish. And then uh. people would get in there, and it would be a dried-up, crazy, half monkey, half fish. And they would be like, oh, that's great. Like, nobody gave a shit. No one was like, where's the pretty one? They're like, ah, it's a great dried monkey fish. Uh, where's the girl from the picture? Um, speaking of pictures... Oh, God, what's happening? <laughs> what? Oh, no. There it is. I like that they get to see it first. Ah! Oh. No! Holy shit! Boy, I was picturing something way shittier. I really was. I mean, this is. I mean, this is fairly convincing. It's horrific. Oh my god. Oh god. Anyway, it's very oh pretty. God. Like if you're a sailor, you'd be like, I'd fuck that. I mean, at one point, someone was probably just like, "She's dying! Get her to water!" No, Ted. Try. So after a week, the Fiji mermaid was transferred to his museum and attendance triples. Now, Charles Stratton was born in Connecticut in 1838, and he grew normally for the first six months of his life. Well, Dave, that says that that stopped. And then after six months, he stopped growing. After six months, he stopped growing. Okay. So he, he grew another inch between that time and when he was four, so he's uh, under two feet tall, but besides being tiny, he was like a normal kid. Like, he just didn't grow in size, but he 
he didn't stay a baby. Right. He kept <laughs> turning into a little person. Right. And he happened to be a very distant relative of P.T. Barnum, a, oh, dear. a fifth cousin. Oh, talk about regretting going to a reunion. <laughs> so Uncle P.T. wouldn't leave me alone. So he's got a job for me. So, and how was I at chess? <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Through his family, P.T. learns about Charles and contacts the parents who naturally agree to lease their four-year-old. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we didn't want to keep him, but absolutely, we would love to lease him. We've always seen him as a property. Yeah. So P.T. taught uh, Charles to sing, dance, mime, and do impressions. He Who's named he? him General Tom Thumb. <laughs> like he went... First of all, stolen valor. <laughs> Among the issues, sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine if war broke out. And they're like, General, what do we do? I get all the guys with the guns, and I'll be here. Here you come now. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So PT would tell people that Tom was 11 years old. And he, the kid's a natural showman, and the crowds just eat him up. And he did an amazing Napoleon impression. <laughs> what is to a Napoleon impression at that point? I don't know. I think you, you put your hand your in your shirt. In your it's pocket, what it is yeah. now. It's the same Napoleon yeah. impression. Wee, 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 wee. Yeah. By the time he was five, Tom was drinking wine. And when he was seven, he would stand there smoking cigars. See... And that, people don't understand the stress of war. <laughs> so he's... F- <laughs> so he's five and drinking wine, which is... Okay? I like that cigars came after wine. Yeah, so, well, I mean, after you had a couple. Yeah, you know it'd be good, a cigar. I was thinking, just like you, Tom Thumb, let's have a couple, shall we? PT. And he just gives him the party cuts off. All right, that's me, and that's you. There you go, but... <laughs> There you go. Enjoy that. We're celebrating. <laughs> PT billed him as, quote, the smallest person that ever walked alone. Because this one guy had a partner. <laughs> Tom sold that shows like crazy. It was a huge New York hit. So, PT then took Tom Thumb on a European tour in 1844. Again, he's a huge hit in Europe. He played for monarchs and other bigwigs. He met the Queen of England and the Tsar of Russia. Jeez. Tom Thumb would always be P.T. Barnum's biggest star. And then they returned to New York after three years and continue being a huge draw at the museum. Now, by 1846, Barnum's Museum is drawing 400,000 visitors a year. Wow. So here's what it's like. Um, it's been, so I'm just going to go over. It's, it's there for like 20 years, so I'm going to just... There's no like time of what's there and what's not. I'll just go through stuff. So the museum was a block long. It's near City Hall. They had live bands playing to get people to come inside. And as you walk down the street, he painted huge, grotesque animal paintings on the wall to catch people's attention. Sure, sure. Oh, I want to go in there. <laughs> you paid 25 cents. Um, there's a constant changing live act and curiosities like they're albinos, giants, uh, quote, midgets, uh, the world's fattest man, who was 300 pounds. <laughs> Like, today, our world's fattest man could eat their world's fattest man God. in, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. No, if you... Yeah. 
Good Lord. I mean, people are like, look, 300 pounds. Wow. Oh, my God. Imagine. He would have taxidermy exhibits and live animals. Now, this is all inside of a building. Sure. Okay, good. There were elephants. Okay. Crazy, sure. Just inside of a building. Sure. Snakes and bears. Oh, my God. Well, okay. It's crazy that they're individually in buildings, and they're all there together. Well, I don't think they're in one room. They're in different rooms. No, but still, it's a little nerve-wracking. Like, on the top floor, you could find John Grizzly Adams frolicking with his bears. That's what it said in the thing I read, frolicking. Frolicking? Frolicking was the word that was used. So they're just replacing the actor eight times a day. (laughs) Your husband died doing what he loved, frolicking. So it's $5 and a card. Um, sometimes you put animals in with their predators so people could watch a, like a bunny being eaten by a wild cat or whatever. Great. That's why cool. we came on Thursday. Uh. He built an aquarium in the basement. That's not crazy so far. That is crazy. Why? I mean, it's crazy, but listen to what you're telling me. An aquarium in the basement? I've seen those. What? Yeah, in fucking big aquariums. You'll go downstairs, like, oh, look, the little fish. And then you'll be like, oh, look, a shark. And fucking, well, that's crazy. I feel like it's not that kind of aquarium. Dave, we ha- I mean, what, think of what you've hit me with so far. It's crazy, but there's elephants there. Well, Inside. This is the first public aquarium in the country, and he had tons of different fish and hippos and sea lions. Okay, now that's... Now that's crazy. Now that is crazy. That's crazy. I was picturing like he had a couple, you know, he had like an yeah. eel and a bunch of fish. And no. He was like, ah, no. Hippos? Hippos. Big. And in, ni- and in 1861, he got two white beluga whales. Oh my God. <laughs> in a basement. <sighs> now, now, how do you feel about my basement comment? Dave, this is crazy. <laughs> He put them in the tank, and then it was, well, I mean, set, how it was set up so fresh salt water would be pumped in from the ocean. New York Times, quote, The tank is 58 feet deep and 25 feet wide and has seven feet of seawater in it. Oh, I mean, dude, what? So that's not, so it's 50, 58 feet deep. Maybe they mean deep, they mean long deep. Because it doesn't seven, matter. Because if you have a 58 seven foot feet? tank and you put seven feet of water in it, you're a dickhead. <laughs> Just up to the beluga's eyes. Oh, they like to splash, they don't like to swim. Oh, no, belugas are splashers. Oh. Great. So there's a lot of room for all the animals there. And he's like, it's a white whale. So everyone's like, what do you mean there's white whales? That's the attraction there. Not just like, it's a whale. No, no, yeah, of course. Um, Of course they like the white one back then. They're like, a white whale? Well, that's a good whale. (laughs) My kind of whale. So I'll go back to the quote. New York Times quote. This tank is 58 feet deep and 25 in width and has seven feet of seawater in it and seems to suit the whales imminently. Sure. And how many whales have the reporters seen prior to this? My (laughs) guess is none. They seem happy. Mr. Barnum has fears that the pets will have but a brief, if brilliant, career in their new quarters, but we prefer to predict them for a long and happy one. Well, it's good that they're covering both sides of the issue. 
the reality of death and, you know, being hopeful that maybe it does go on forever. But so it turns out whales don't do great in basements. Weird. Over the time of the display, the museum went through nine whales. But how great is it to be there on that day when one died? The stories that you can tell. Terrible. Oh, well, back then they probably liked it. He also had a historical wax figures. He often would take celebrities of the moment and create a wax statue of them. I can only imagine how... I mean, we have not perfected that technology now. <laughs> what were they like then? <laughs> I mean, you must have just been like, well, it's a lump with a hat on it. <sighs> Is that Napoleon? So one woman was on trial for murdering another woman and her child... This is a big murder trial in New York City at the time. So while the trial was taking place, P.T. built a wax diorama of her. He called it the Witch of Staten Island. (laughs) And he recreated the scene of her chopping up the mother and the child. (laughs) Did I mention his whole thing was to create a wholesome family environment? Dave, I'm worried about PT. <laughs> so it's just... I think he's a few whales short of a tank. <laughs> it's just this super bloody, crazy diorama. All right. So he also had uh, Jesus Christ and the Last Supper in wax. He put on flower shows, beauty contests, dog shows, chicken contests. Uh, he had a bunch America's of... best chicken. <laughs> he had a bunch of baby contests, like fattest baby... Hairiest baby, happiest baby. Hairiest baby. (laughs) On the roof, he had a strolling garden with a view of the city, and he would launch hot uh, air balloon rides every day. Does anyone talk to him, or they're just like, whatever you want, literally? Women have whales, be taking off in hot air balloons. I got hairy babies, I got fat ones, they're fighting chickens. It's all fucking safe. We got elephant snake, let's dance. Well, obviously, there's not a lot of regulations happening. Doesn't feel like it. Certainly doesn't feel like it. He built a lecture room, which held 3,000 people, and there he would have... Uh, How to be full of shit. There he would have people lecture about morals and put on plays. <laughs> the same guy who took an autopsy to Broadway. <laughs> How to be a good guy. And behind them, as they spoke, backdrops would move, and then pyrotechnics would go off. Well, at least he got Again, something right. Inside. Uh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, how did the whales like fireworks, I guess, is the question. <laughs> they like, oh, they love them. No, oh, they're used to them. There was a doctor of phrenology who was there to inspect people's heads. Oh, you're a creep. He also had the Cardiff Giant, which was a hoax, which was done by a guy from upstate New York in Cardiff who told people he had unearthed a petrified giant that he had created himself. And don't take me. Then, so Barnum tries to buy it, but the guy's like, no, this is my giant. And then, so Barnum was like, fuck you, and he made his own giant. And he called it the Cardiff Giant, and he said, that guy's Cardiff Giant is a fake. So this is just, he, I mean, he is an innovator in the level of aggressive bullshit. People were just like, well, what about what's right? He was like, what's right? I win. <laughs> it's right. So the hippo near a whale. So then the original guy who found the giant sued Barnum for saying that he 
was saying it was the fake giant, and then the judge was like, you guys, they're both fake, and threw it out of <laughs> Okay, that's an interesting moment when they're like, well, the verdict was bullshit. <laughs> I agree. Uh, he also had minstrel shows. What is that? So oh what, God. here's what a minstrel show is. So, so white people... Yeah, white it's people fine that you don't not, know, but I'm just saying get ready. It's so not good. White people did not want to go and sit somewhere and watch black people entertain them. Because that would be wrong. Because you can't be entertained by black people. You should be entertained by white people. So white people would then dress up in blackface and white people would be like, I'm watching black people. We were fucking crazy as fuck. So in other words, if you were black and wanted to work in entertainment, you had to be 161. <laughs> Otherwise, white people were like, that's our role. So, so P.T. Barnum had uh, his main minstrel guy was Jack Diamond, this Irish guy, but then he quit or left for some reason. And uh, then, surely and then not the, like a moral compass. Then We're moving. The next best minstrel, minstrel performer in New York was a guy named William Henry Lane, who... Uh, who P.T. Barnum knew from when he used to be a showbiz guy down in the Bowery, and whose stage name was Master Juba. Ugh. Now, the problem was, was that Master Juba was actually a black guy. And because people didn't want to watch black performers, they wanted white people dressed up like black people. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... <laughs> so he brings a Master Juba to star and he has him put on white makeup what oh my god to make it look like he's a white guy dressing up like a black guy and then no more then PT sent an anonymous letter to a newspaper oh, alleging, no. No. <laughs> alleging there was a black guy pretending to be a white guy performing at the show and then all these people came to see if they could spot the actual black guy who was dressed up like a white guy pretending to be a black guy money ah <laughs> oh, my god what a guy. When you're a kid and you go to the circus, they don't tell you this stuff. <laughs> Good Lord. In 1854, Barnum wrote and published his autobiography, The Life of Pete. I'm an asshole. <laughs> and other bullshit I'm full of. The Life of P.T. Barnum. He would continually rewrite and republish the autobiography and then contradict himself in later versions. So what, I mean... So this would lead people to buy each version to see how they changed. <laughs> and at the end of the 19th century, the number of copies printed of the autobiography was second only to the number of copies of the New Testament printed in North America. And we wonder why we're messed up. It's not us. We just had shitty parents. <laughs> we didn't have a shot. 
William Henry Johnson was born in 1842 to Already a very, don't like it. very poor African-American family. His parents had been slaves. His body grew normally, but his head remained very, very small. Oh, Dave, this is not going to be good. He had a tapering cranium and a big jaw. Someone just said, take it back. I, I can't. This is, uh, is there too much talking happening? There's a lot stop, of chatting. Hey, stop talking, chatty. Okay. Uh, he had a tapering cranium and a big jaw. This naturally attacked, uh, attracted freak show people. He was called, quote, a pinhead. <laughs> His parents agreed to let local circus display him for cash. He was billed as the missing link and displayed in a cage. They said he was caught in Africa. The missing link was very popular. That's in New Jersey. (sighs) Now, P.T. finds out about the missing link. And and let me guess, Dave, he had cartoon dollar signs on his eyes. (laughs) Exploitation? Why, I'm in! Taxi? Taxis don't exist. They do now. I've invented them. This springs in whalebone. <laughs> he found out about the missing link, and he said, this is wrong. I would never do something like that to a human being. Here we go, but here's the problem. No, he You're... bought the right. Yes, I knew it. I was just about to say whatever. Yes. And then he took it up a notch. He put William in a first suit and shaped his hair so it went all the way up to a point. And gave him the name Zippy the Pinhead. Uh. And billed him as, quote, what is it? (laughs) How's it going over there? Zippy? Holy shit. (sighs) It's getting tough. At the museum, crowds were told he was one of a group of missing links who survived on raw nuts and fruit. But he was now learning to eat food like bread and cake. What? Okay, so does he only know about four foods? (laughs) And he's going to start selling beer. Is there anything else to eat? He's got oysters in his pockets. How about that? When the curtain was pulled back, Zippy would screech and rattle the bars on his cage. Naturally, this act was insanely successful. Over the years, he would become less insane and more civilized. He was actually visited by Prince Albert and many other famous people. Sure. During the Civil War, P.T. dove into uh, crowd-pleasing anti-Confederacy attractions. One of the most popular was a wax version of the President of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis, in a dress. All right. Fucking leave that statue up. I mean, seriously, New York, honestly, let's fucking fund that statue. Uh, Dave, can we do that? No, seriously. Can can we we make that our cause? We should see if we can crowdfund that and say, in honor of P.T. Barnum... We should totally do that. How can we not do that? Well, you know, the government's been odd lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look into that. That would be, that that would we'll be amazing. That. How about that? 
That's actual history. Which I think gives us a leg up. Yep. We're like, we love our past. You know, get the uh, flag-bearing patriots. You mean it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a tribute. Okay. You snicker? No. Please happen. Uh, so he added more and more pro-union exhibits, lectures, dramas. In 1864, he hired an actress who had been a spy for the Union to lecture about her adventures behind Confederate lines. Uh, during the Civil War, he was also elected to the Connecticut legislature as a Republican representative for Fairfield. And he spoke out against slavery which he considered uh, to be against the will of God. And the Confederacy Says was the not... guy who had yeah, zipped I mean, the there's some, Okay. There's some inconsistencies <laughs> with his morality. Yeah. Uh, so the Confederacy was not down with P.T. shows and his political activity, and they sent some men to New York City to set fires, which were supposed to be a distraction to make a raid on weapon stashes. Now, this is a little, uh, this part's a little unknown. Some say they tried to burn down the museum and didn't. Some say they did. Either way, in 1864, P.T. Barnum's museum went up in flames. Okay. Bummer. The the entire block, the entire block. Did anyone try for the whales? Um, actually. (laughs) They used the whale water to put out the fire. And uh, that. I'm making actors. It turns out that's not good for whales. It turns out whales need water. But, you know, that's a catch-22 situation. Well, you're not going to catch the whales, so... I mean, really, what, like... At that point, what's the point of being... Like, there's fire. You're like, okay, well, the whales are going to die for sure. Yeah. So no one was killed, but a lot of animals died. Some people thought the... So someone was killed. (laughs) Yeah, animals. Yeah. Some people thought the wax figures were actually people and grabbed them and... Oh, my God! Save Napoleon! (laughs) Save Napoleon! He's melting! (laughs) You just just... pick up a pile of melted shit and be like, Yeah, thank God Napoleon's okay. (sighs) That's just a candle and a hat. I know. It's like... Let me just say, to all the audiophile dickheads listening to the podcast, I don't need to know that Gareth screamed right there. Don't, don't send me your fucking email. I'm pretty aware of what happened. Go fuck yourself. Also, don't Facebook you me about it. step out of your stereo and be a human yeah. being for once. Yep. <sighs> um... One person grabbed the Jefferson Davis wax (laughs) statue and tossed it out the window. At this point, thousands had gathered and were watching the fire, and as Davis flew out, his dress went up, and the crowd cheered. Some kids then dragged away, dragged away Davis's statue and hung it on Fulton Street. Okay. <laughs> now we're going to kill it! The New York Times said it was defective furnace, but many believe it was the Confederacy that burned down. The museum, 31 million tickets. 
had been sold to the museum over its life. Jesus, God. But P.T. Barnum could not be stopped. He quickly opened a new museum just up the street. Oh, boy. He had it up and running within a year. He used a new technology to heat the building, boilers. Unfortunately, they were a new technology, and a boiler explosion burnt down the second museum. (laughs) Right when I loaded in the whales, too. In 1868. Okay, so now what? He decided decided to get out of the museum business. Now he'd bought a very large house. He he built a huge sort of mansion uh, that he named Iranistan. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, strangely, also burned down. (laughs) It had a good run. So he decided to just focus on performance attractions and briefly opened a location on 14th Street, which also uh, burnt to the ground. Jesus, what is going on? <laughs> to a boiler malfunction. Oh, my God. What? what? Okay. Uh, he also put all his uh, money now into a big land development project uh, outside of Bridgeport that went belly up, and now he's uh, fucked. Okay. So he, he, he's done with museums, and he started up a traveling circus. Yeah. Oh, boy. In 1871. Yay. Finally! <laughs> no more pain. <laughs> Woo! We're through the bad part. We're finally at the circus finish line. And it all worked out. We're not, we're not, I couldn't do that. I, would, I wasn't about to do that to you. The, you wouldn't handle the elephant stories. I'm not doing the elephant story. I know. No, well, I already know what we he, do. I mean, we, yeah, it, this is all lead up to the circus. The circus is a whole different fucking ball of wax. You do, we don't, do it. We all just want to see Gareth cry. No. <laughs> we wouldn't know where the beer ended and my tears started. Um, so he starts his traveling circus in 1871. It was called P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum, Menagerie, Caravan, and Hippodrome. What the? <laughs> I mean, he was so on everything, well, and then this, doing? and then he's out of his fucking mind. Is he on cocaine? And the answer is yes. <laughs> he's also he was also like a huge star of his time. Like if he he was in like he was like the Brad Pitt, not that good looking, but but like everyone came to town. They're like, let's hang out with PT and like the fucking Mark Twain. And anybody was so anybody. probably during one of the fires, someone rescued a wax statue of him and was like, I'm gonna. And he's outside like, hey, not me. It's just a thing of wax with a hat on it. So um, there was another traveling circus, James Bailey's. And in 1881, because there was not a big market for two circuses, they merged. Uh, But then they didn't get along and they broke up in 1885. But then again... Talk about an awkward separation. All right, well, you get the tigers and I'll get the lions. No, right. no, no, no. The lion's mine. I came in with the lion. All right, well, we each get a lion and we each get a tiger. I mean, no, I that, no. Lions, you get the tigers. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you the tiger, but I want most of the clowns. I want nine of the 15. And this is non-negotiable. Some of those are my best friends. They come with the car. <laughs> so it's, it's 15, and that's my car, so... You get the car and you get six fucking clowns. I'm just asking for the nine. We'll get another car. I'm not worried about the car. I'm not even sure there's six or 15. And it's hard to count. How well, many I understand it's impossible to count. Some so, days there's four. The other day there was 39. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. 
They're like gremlins, which I heard about at a show uh, recently. I want, taking, I want the elephant. I want the elephant. Huh? I'm gonna take I want the I gonna no, you're not the taking the guy. Oh, yeah, you get the car and the elephant. What Jumbo. I named him Jumbo, my friend, the elephant. I'll take good care of him. He won't die on a train. Drunk. <laughs> it's my elephant. He's friends with the clowns <laughs> and the old woman. You're not taking the old woman. She's in pieces. Aren't we all? Anyway, after three years apart, they got back together and formed Barnum and Bailey's Circus, which was a huge hit and grew and grew. P.T. ran for the United States Congress in 1867 and lost to his third cousin, William Henry Barnum. <laughs> hey, it's tough to root for a Barnum, but okay. In 1875, he was elected mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, where he lived most of his life. He worked to improve the water supply, bring gas lighting to streets, and enforce liquor and prostitution laws. Yeah, thank you. Yep. He also created a museum in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where he had lived most of his life. Unfortunately, he never he saw... He lived in a museum? No, he lived at, in Bridgeport, Connecticut most okay. of his life. Unfortunately, he never saw the museum completed as he died just before it was finished in 1891 at 80 years old. In June 2010, the Barnum Museum was destroyed by a tornado. Wow. Dude, I thought last night was nuts. Holy shit. This guy doesn't have a Greatest Hits album. He has catalogs. <laughs> Sweet mother of God. But America fucking loved it all. Of course. Not surprising. Truly. Like someone was going to fill that void and become president. <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> Can't fucking help yourself. It can't. I mean, it's just like, you well, know, we put the cookies on the fridge and the toddler still finds them. <laughs> he gets up there. No, I don't disagree, obviously. <laughs> Holy shit. So just the worst. Just the worst, but also just allowed in that time. So it's like, yeah, it brings out the worst in you. If you're allowed to be a shit, you get the shittiest. So that's why we put in, that's why we got to be careful. What? It's just when people don't fucking call bullshit on you, it just gets out of control. And nobody was going like, should you put whales inside considering four of your museums have burned down in the last month? And people were just like, let him go. He's got Zippy for cry Pete. Uh, what else are the whales going to do? I mean, if they're not there to be looked at, then they're just fucking off. Right. Sorry, what's your point? I'm saying, my argument is that maybe whales don't exist if they're not in a thing for people to look at. That's not true. We have evidence to the contrary. Yeah. No, I don't think, no. Have you seen Whitefish, the documentary on P.T. Barnum's whales? <laughs> Uh, 
to get out of this pickle, Dave. <laughs> Fair. Uh, thank you guys very much for coming out. We appreciate the fuck out of it. Um, yes, thank you. Hey, Brad, Dave. Uh, truly, it means a lot. We love coming here. So thank you guys very much. We'll be back in not too long. So thank you. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there.